he was hit head on, like you said, by someone here illegally, undocumented, uninsured, and unlicensed. He crossed a double yellow line and hit Pierce head on. You're listening to Code Red with Secure America Now, the largest national security grassroots army. We are privileged to have with us today Wendy Corcoran. Wendy, I want you to treat interview as an opportunity for you to share with Americans your story, the story of your family, son, Pierce, and the tragedy that befell him and your family. Wendy's son was killed a car-related by what turned out to be a person who was in this country. And if you would share with us uh, the events that took place about your experience. Um, our son, like you said, he was involved in a car accident. He, um, he was a, he's 22 years old. He was a FedEx courier, so he drove daily on our roads here in our town and was familiar with, with the area. Um, it was at 6.30 p.m., um, and he was hit head-on, like you said, by someone here illegally, undocumented, uninsured, and unlicensed. He crossed a double yellow line and hit Pierce head-on, which caused a chain reaction, and Pierce was hit by, by another vehicle as well. Um, but the man was taken in custody that night, uh, Francisco Eduardo Cambrini, and he was luckily in our jail system here in Knox County, we have 287G in place. So he was detained by ICE, otherwise he, had, he was making bond, in the process of making bond and going to, you know, get released that night. Um, we were we were unaware of any of this that evening. I mean, we didn't know for a couple of days about any of the information you know that I'm telling you about now. But and have found ourselves in a situation where we were unaware of how many families had, are affected by this in our country. And so we've learned a lot um, in the last ten months. Uh, most of it shocking to people, and some people still don't really get it, I guess, um, even when we tell them um, what, how the system or doesn't work. So um, we just advocate and try to talk about, you know, our situation and what happened to our son to honor him and to hopefully educate people um, and to bring attention to what's going on in our country. So I... Yeah, we'll tell you what I can and what we've learned in the last 10 months. Looking over some past interviews, I was struck by your desire to educate, to be constructive. There's no semblance of hate. Not about where this man came from, meaning the perpetrator. It's the <laughs> fact that he takes no personal responsibility for his action. Can you speak about that? Sure, sure. I I don't know him personally. So, uh, you know, when we were made aware that he didn't 
as far as we know, have a record since you've been here for 14 years. That I, I have a little bit of issue with because so many people that do cause these accidents that we see happening across the country, you know, flee. So we really don't know. We can give him the benefit of the doubt that, okay, he did not come under, you know, any kind of um, arrest or have a record here in those 14 years. So I try to be fair about that. But, but there again, we don't really know completely. But he did not have a toxicology that night. We, we are trying to be active and trying to find out why that happened and um, how we can change that as well because with a fatality, there should have been a toxicology. I mean, our son Pierce, through the autopsy process, which is standard, had a toxicology, which was clear, but why? You know, I mean, it just seems very unfair. And through the DA's office, we learned that, you know, that's, that's really important in, in convicting someone. You know, you need, to, you need that information, and we feel like we anyone that's involved in that type, type of situation is um, that that should be required that's that that part doesn't make sense to me but he um, had a public defender and the public defender not only did he you know argue for his client he I felt like he went above and beyond which we see that in a lot of that's just kind of how the system works but he the other young man that was impacted in this this crash was 23 years old no one else was injured Pierce was the only only um fatality his girlfriend was injured but anyway the other the 23 year old that that found himself involved in this crash because of Pierce's car coming in front of his and you know, the DA went after the, not the DA, I'm sorry, the public defender went after him to try to accuse him of being the one that caused Pierce's death. And I, this young man, um, served our country. He's 23 years old. So to me, I, I took a real issue with that. And I try to share that story because it's our system. I mean, this man could have taken responsibility for what he did. He could have, you know, the defense attorney could have said, yeah, he shouldn't have been here. He, he totally, you know, but they totally defended him in every way. He had excellent representation, I guess, for, for that we paid for, that my son Pierce paid for. So I, we all know the justice system needs work as well, but he, you know, took no financial responsibility either, which for our family, we we planned and we tried to be responsible parents. We tried to be responsible citizens, and we we had insurance, so we were very fortunate in that. And Pierce had insurance as well, and but there are so many families that don't have that, and so the responsibility of the person that causes a crash, whether they, in Cambrian's case, if it was just simply he just did something really stupid, and. Uh, you know, he took, he could just walk away from what he did. He had no, you know, no financial responsibility either. So that's where, you know, I try to look at other families and see how it impacts them. And, and we were able to bury our son with dignity. 
And some people don't get that. Some people really, that puts a financial burden on a family. And it's just unfair. It's just unfair that you can come here and get behind the wheel of a vehicle with no, you know, and we hear it daily here in Knox County. We'll have people approach us and say, well, I just had a wreck last week. I mean, we didn't, nobody was hurt, thank goodness. But they were here illegally. They didn't have a license or insurance. And nothing happened. I mean, you know, so... I mean, it just seems like we just, and, and I don't know what the solution is other than, you know, the wall was something that early on we decided that had to happen because we have to stop and get a control of what's going on here. We can't let people keep dying and not act. And so the wall to us was a symbol of trying to, to stop the flow coming in and try to get some order and try to weed out those that should not be here, that that don't have a desire to come here and do good and be responsible and, and, um, I mean, I I hope I'm making sense, but I, I, I just think the wall is a good way to, to, like I said, just, just try to try to make some changes in the immigration system. There's many that come here that deserve to be here and want to be and want to be good citizens and want to become, you know, become citizens and work hard. And but there's there's a lot that don't, and those are not the ones we want. So, well, you know, Wendy, you have uh, explained actually, or you're what you're saying, the agenda of Secure America Now, which is mm-hmm. hosted the podcast, we very much support the wall, and the primary reason for supporting the wall is, in fact, to reduce the number of people who are here illegally and not opposed to legal immigration. In fact, there are those who are waiting online to come here legally. Those mm-hmm. who come Legally take advantage of our society, and frankly, I have never heard a more personal testimony than yours about how an illegal ends up committing a act that has horrendous consequences. Mm-hmm. ended with our tax dollars. Uh, that individual has no financial responsibility. That individual, frankly, has no responsibility, doesn't express any remorse. And that type of stuff, as you have said, occurs on a regular basis. And we believe that the wall and there are other measures that can be taken. I mean, one of those other measures is that communities that refuse to allow operate with ICE doing their should be punished by the federal government. They should not be allowed to allow the illegals to have safe havens within our country. Um, on a personal level, anyone who starts a relationship illegally is suspect to begin with. I mean, uh, that choice, uh, that says something about you. And, um, I do admire you and your husband, who I believe is the fire captain in Knoxville. I 
I do admire that you're willing to speak out and um, and address this issue of those who committing acts in our country and don't pay any price for that. Is there anything else that you would like to share um, with our audience? I think you, by the way, you've been very articulate in what that has been very clearly understood and will be heard millions of people. So if there is anything else that you would like to share with us, please. Well, I guess this week, I, I don't know if um, you were watching when the um, the Judiciary Committee met in D.C. and with ICE, and I learned a lot watching that. It was probably about an hour long. Um, and it just the the liberals and the left and what our country is faced with on that side, their views on it are so disturbing to me that I just watched in awe of some of the questioning that went on from some of the Democrats and, and just one that that, I, that struck me and that I just couldn't get off my mind this week was Senator, uh, I'm not sure how you say her name, it's, um, she's from Hawaii. Um, she she just she questioned the ICE representatives that were there and just said, "You mean to tell me that these people just get released? They just get released. They, you know, these repeat offenders just get released." And and I thought to myself, "Are you?" I mean, because the meeting had been going on for a while when they got to her questioning, and she, I thought, "Where have you been? Are you not listening to what they're telling you? The police departments that they interviewed, the DAs, the ICE representatives that." They are getting released in sanctuary cities. That's what they do. They don't hold them for the federal government. I, you know, and, and the word she kept saying, repeat offenders, and I, something about struck me because I thought repeat means they've done this before. That means doing it again. So when this person's a repeat offender, they've already committed a crime. And, and you know, it, it just blew me away that, that they really, I don't know if they're just so so blind to it because of their, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, it just struck me when she, she just kept on like it was appalling that what he was saying could not be true. And I thought, you have the statistics they gave were, I think back in 2009, we had 40 sanctuary, so-called sanctuary cities. And now there's over 500, there's like 400 and almost 500 sanctuary cities in this country. And that just, I mean, it just, I mean, it breaks my heart in so many ways because I know that I'm not, you know, we're not the last family being affected by this. It is going to continue, and to me, it can only get worse with those statistics. It's it's very um, it's very hard to watch the Democrats in these debates and listen to all of them. There's nobody standing up for American citizens, and. You know, for me, I just, I look at my son's face and, and our pictures around our home and I think, I, you know, I'm, I'm ashamed that that he had to lose his life in this way and that, that so many on that side will not listen and will not hear the stories, you know, that are happening in, happening in their communities. Are they so, you know, are they in D.C. and they're living in this, you know, they're not. They've surely got to be hearing it. It's, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I know we have been listened to by those, you know, of course, that that um, 
understand where we're coming from and agree, like Senator Blackburn and, and, and Congressman Burchett. But those on the other side, just they just refuse to to even look at the faces of these families that are affected by it. So it's 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 really scary. But you know, it makes me mad. I mean, I have different emotions about it, but. All I know to do is talk about it and tell our story and hope that somebody, you know, somebody will start to at least try to understand what's going on and try to do something about it. Well, let me tell you, when the first off you ask, don't they see it? They see it. Um, unfortunately, I will willful blindness. They acknowledge it. And um, because it, in fact, destroys own view that America should be. And that's an America that accepts every criminal, every unsavory type into this country, no question asked. We're opposed to sanctuary cities. You can't law-free zones in this country. And I will say that there are some big sanctuary cities, including New York, that protect illegals and they throw the law out the window, meaning that they don't apply the law. What they are also doing is we see law and citizens being victims. Eventually, they'll wake up. But you are doing uh, God's work by what are painful memories. Um, and um, we praise you, and we praise your husband, praise your family for doing what you're doing. We will keep pushing until they actually address this issue. Thank God the president is pushing, and yeah. important. And, um, and we will continue to support his efforts. Thank you. Okay, well, I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Code Red with Secure America Now. We are the largest national security digital platform in the nation, dedicated to bringing critical security issues to the forefront of the American debate. For more information, visit our website at www.secureamericanow.org. Don't miss a single Code Red podcast. Subscribe today on Spotify, iTunes, or Podbean. You can also find the Code Red podcast on YouTube.